Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Weighing In on Happy. I am so excited to have my guest here, Michael Anthony from Michael Unbroken. So, welcome. Thank you. So, we've connected here in Bali and we kind of connected right away actually because we have similar interests when it comes to trauma and how to kind of overcome the obstacles in our life. And we really dove deep into our own stories and kind of how we both overcame it depending on kind of where we came from and our, and our situations growing up. And so I really want to dig into your story and just let you free talk because you're an amazing speaker, an amazing, um, amazing person in general, but you have so much to teach. And so can you dive into your story and just let loose because I don't want to, I don't want to like at all contain it. It's too much. Yeah, no, it is a lot. And to tell you the whole thing would take up four hours. So I'll give you the, <laughs> I'll give you the elevator pitch. So mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in the States in Indianapolis. Um, My mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. My father was non-existent. I only met him once. Uh, I was five years old. And my stepfather was hyper abusive, like the kind of guy that you pray that you never meet. Um, The first 10 years of my life were pure chaos. Uh, In fact, my life was so crazy, my mother cut my finger off. Um, My stepfather would beat the shit out of my can I cuss on this? Yeah. My my stepfather <laughs> My stepfather would beat the shit out of my brothers and I, put us in the hospital. Um, we were constantly homeless, constantly without power, without water. I would steal food uh, from school. Sometimes I would only shower and bathe at school because the bills were not paid because you know, and, and to their credit, you know, I think that a lot of times parents are doing the best that they can with what they got, but uh, mine weren't. Um, <laughs> so I also grew up in the Mormon church, which is a big part of this story. Um, my time in the Mormon church was, was pretty strange. And when I was about eight years old, I was actually molested by one of the, the mothers in that church during a stint of being homeless. You see, we, we lived with probably 30 plus different families over the course of two or three years as my mother was in and out of rehab and my stepfather was an over the road trucker. Um, by the time that I was 12, they finally divorced and my grandmother adopted me. Uh, my grandmother is from a little small town called Sunbright, Tennessee, population 500 people, moved up to Indianapolis when she was around 20 to go work for RCA, um, you know, on the assembly line. And I'm biracial, I'm black and white, and my grandmother is white and super racist. So it was very strange juxtaposition growing up in an adopted home in an all-black neighborhood with a white racist grandmother when I wasn't allowed to bring my friends into the house to play. By the time that I'm 12, so this same window, I start smoking weed every single day. Uh, my best friend and I started selling weed, which we stole from his parents, which turned into this small little drug empire that we had. Um, on top of breaking into houses, stealing cars, running around with guns, robbing people, hurting people. And that was most of my teen years while also being captain of the wrestling team, being on the football team, being on the baseball team, while rocking basically straight Fs through high school. 
but I went to a school where they just kind of push you through. And, and I can look at the correlation in high school of my mother still kind of being in my life in bits and pieces until my sophomore, mid-sophomore year, which I got a restraining order put on my own mother because of just her addiction was impacting my life in such a negative way. I could see that it was going to lead down a pretty rough path for us. Right after this, I end up getting straight A's for the entire semester. By my senior year, my grandmother let her move into our home because she was homeless again, getting kicked. She literally got kicked out of a rehab facility for sneaking alcohol in. If that gives you any idea of like the amount of addiction that she was facing, and then you can see the correlation of my grades just dropping. I mean, for most of my childhood, I was the awkward, weird kid that nobody wanted to hang out with. I had zero friends, always smelled like piss because I wet the bed, which is a you know byproduct of trauma. Um, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I'd kind of grown into my looks. I'd grown into my fashion. People really liked me. I was also known as like being this guy who anyone could talk to. But I was suffering really bad. Like, I was getting stoned every day. By the end of my senior year, I was drunk pretty much every single night. Um, I went to get in the military after high school, which I didn't graduate on time. I actually got thrown back um, into summer school because I failed a business class because I had a teacher who was willing to be like, fuck your shit, you need to figure out life, and you're not going to skate by. And so his name was Mr. Bush. Shout out wherever you are, brother. Um, he, he literally walked up to him on the last day of school and he goes, you need to understand something. You can't get by in life on your charms and your good looks. If you want something, you have to earn it. And to this day, it's the most important thing anyone's ever done for me because up until that point, I'd just been sliding by. Mm -hmm. So couldn't get into the military, trying to figure out like what the fuck I'm supposed to do with my life. I popped around from odd job to odd job to end up becoming a very young general manager of a fast food restaurant uh, assistant general manager in training for mm -hmm. general manager, but it's awful. Fast food was like the worst job ever. I'd work like 60 hours a week, but I was 19 making almost $30,000 a year. So basically I was a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just knew that that wasn't what I wanted in my life. There was something else. And I thought to myself that the solution to poverty was money. However in the world I could get more money would be how I solved the problems of my past. And so I worked my face off, got a job in corporate America, and next thing you know, by the time I'm 21, I had reached my goal and I was making $100,000 a year legally. And so that was my lifestyle. I did whatever I want for the next five years where I had unlimited income. And this only exacerbated the chaos of my youth because now not only was I getting fucked up every single night, but I had the money for unlimited expenses. I lived above a bar where I had a running tab of over $2,000 a month. And each month I'd go down there and I'd pay them and my bar tab would be all alcohol. And I was still getting stoned every day. I was waking up in the morning getting high and I just ate like crap. I was obese once as a child. Um, not once. You're not just like obese for one day. But I was <laughs> <laughs> one time. It was a really particularly for, bad day for me. For one hour I was obese. <laughs> so I faced childhood obesity. I mean, I remember we would shop in the boys' husky section mm. at Walmart if I were lucky enough to even get new clothes. So like now not only am I this weird, awkward kid, but I'm carrying that stereotype with me. Yeah. Luckily, I got super deep into sports. I became an athlete, and that kind of just worked itself out as I also grew up to you know six foot four. Well, now I'm in my 20s, drinking, smoking, 
actually smoking two packs of cigarettes a day at this point. And next thing you know, I look in the mirror, I'm like 330 pounds. Mm. This is the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I'm wearing a size 4XL shirt. I am wearing size 47 pants. And I had transitioned from being, um, you know, this corporate America guy into being a professional wedding photographer. And so I started traveling the world, traveling the country, being nominated as one of the best photographers in the country. Like all these amazing accolades were coming along with being a wedding photographer. While I had this weird juxtaposition of also having two girlfriends simultaneously who didn't know each other existed on top of cheating on them with another unbelievable number of human beings. Because to me, what I was trying to do was solve like that problem of no one loves me. I'm alone. I'm abandoned. I hate myself. And then I tried to kill myself when I was 26. Mm. Put a gun in my mouth. I've had guns my entire life. I'll never understand how this happened. I put a gun in my mouth on my birthday as my girlfriend is banging on the bathroom door. Like, please talk to me. Don't do this. Whatever. And I pulled the trigger and the firing pin didn't fire. It was a Mm. misfire. And I will never understand why that happened. Two days later, I went to the gun range. I shot that gun and it fucking worked fine. So I have no idea what exactly happened, but here I am. So 26, 27, 28, I'm in this immense depression while I'm growing this amazing business, traveling the country, still in this weird relationship situation. And one day I'm getting ready to go and do a wedding expo where basically you go show all your photography, all the future brides come in, you know, you make business, that's how you book your year, blah, blah, blah. And that morning, I was insanely hungover. I had just drank like a fifth of whiskey, smoked a couple of blunts. Like, I probably smoked two packs of cigarettes that night. And I was getting up to go to do this job that I really loved while hating myself and feeling like a total fucking fraud. Which is because I was. I was living a lie. And I walked into the bathroom and I just looked at myself and at this point I was almost 350 pounds mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. This was my breaking moment. And I looked in the mirror, I did something I never did before and I, I looked at myself in the eyes. I hated looking at myself because I was so ashamed of the reflection of the person on the other side. And in that moment I said, okay, whatever it fucking takes to get healthy, we're going to start moving forward. And that was six years ago. Mm-hmm. So from there, it was just this really intensive healing journey where I had to develop this unbelievable drive for health because I had a drive for business. I'm an awesome businessman, but everything else around me was just crumbling. It was awful being me. And I had to tap into understanding the impacts and ramifications of childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking at where does this come from? Where does trauma happen? How has it impacted my life? And why am I doing the things that I am doing? Because I'm hyper-analytical. I need the rhyme and reason of everything. If I can't pinpoint the intersection of where two things happen and why they happen, then I can't like work on myself. And so I found this study about... Four or five years ago, it's called the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, done by Dr. Folletti and, and Anda in California with Kaiser and the CDC. Well, what they found was this correlation between health issues in adults and child abuse. And the list, you can go research it, but there's 10 questions. Basically, if you answer yes to one of the questions, 
you'll probably answer yes to two or more. If you hit four, you're probably just going to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you hit four, this is real. And these questions are like, were you ever molested? Were you ever beaten? Did you ever need food? Were you ever homeless? Did you see a family member get arrested? Were there mental disturbances in the home? Um, and the list goes on and on. And basically my answer to those 10 questions was yes to all 10. Mm. So I was set up for failure from the jump. There's a 5,200% increased chance of suicide when you answer yes to four more of those questions. There's a 2,000% increased chance of being a smoker or an alcoholic if you answer yes to four more of those questions. There's a 4,000% chance that you will have cancer, pulmonary embolisms, heart attacks, and other unknown diseases because of those. Because our brain is bathed in cortisol in the most important time that it's growing. And so naturally, we're always in a fight or flight or freeze response. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I had anxiety since I was five years old. I didn't realize I'd been depressed since I was eight. I didn't realize that all the impact of the abuse had set me up for failure mm. until I found that study. And that study began to become the catalyst for my understanding of self, the work that I started to do through yoga, meditation, writing, working out, like healthy, building a healthy relationship with food and trying to heal my body because at 350 pounds and all the damage I have, you have to understand like I smoked every fucking day from 12 years old mm -hmm. until 28 years old. That is a long time to be high. I'd never been sober mm -hmm. in that time frame. And so now to step into sobriety, and not necessarily even because I felt that I was an addict. I just realized, like, man, I'm just, like, trying not to feel anything. I was an emotional recluse. I thought at one point I was a sociopath. But it turns out, like, I just needed a hug. Yeah. And, and so I just started doing the work. And I started slowly sharing my story bit by bit. And one day, it was four years ago, it was New Year's Eve, I just wrote this diatribe. And I threw it on Facebook. I just shared my entire life experience, more or less. And I got hundreds of comments, hundreds of messages, hundreds of emails, and even my closest friends, people I've known for 15 years, reached out to me and like, wow, I relate to this. My father did that. My mother did this. Mm -hmm. Like, I totally understand your journey. Thank you for sharing this. And slowly but surely, it started to evolve. In the beginning, what I wanted to do was just educate people and sharing the information, the science and the research that I had found around trauma. And it just started to develop into this thing where, in a sense, I have become a spokesperson for adult survivors of child abuse. Mm -hmm. Not a job I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want this job. Well, similar in the sense of how we both kind of ended up in the fields that we're in. It's like, we, I, I know for myself, I feel like I have this moral obligation to speak about this. And I am privileged enough to be in a place where I can speak about it and be the face of it when others cannot. And so, yeah, understanding it is really difficult and it's not necessarily the path I was thought I was gonna be on, but it's the most rewarding path. Yeah, I'd much rather be cowboy space astronaut. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, like legitimately, well, but- second option. <laughs> yeah, second, right? But the reality is there has never been another job that I've done in my life that is as rewarding as what I do now. Exactly. To be able to help people get out of what I call the vortex, mm. understand their past and become the hero of their own story is something that's really important to me. 
there are people who look at people like you and I as anecdotal, but the reality is like there's nothing anecdotal about fact. The reality is that we did the things that we needed to do to become who we are. And the truth is that anyone can do it. And people always throw around this idea of, well, if I can do it, then you can. Well, guess what? Yeah, motherfucker, you can. Mm -hmm. Like, you literally can. If you're, like, sitting at home and you're overweight or you have suffered trauma and you don't understand why all of your relationships are failing and you hate your life and you are miserable at your job, change. Mm Mm-hmm. It sounds impossible, but it is literally as simple as, you know, you just have to identify where it is that you want to be, reverse engineer that process, and then take the first step. Just do one little tiny thing today that sets you up for 10 years from now. Because the reality is people expect change overnight. They're like, hey, you know what? I read a book. Tomorrow I'm be another person. No, you're fucking not. That's not how it works. I have a theory that it takes you as long to get healthy as it did to get unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I might be six, seven years into my healing journey and be a totally different person removed from the person that I used to be. But by my calculations, I still got at least 22 more years to go Mm. before I'm back at baseline. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, reverse engineering it. But I think as well that you had that pivotal moment in your story where you looked at yourself in the eyes of the mirror and putting yourself on the map to understand what are the next steps. A lot of people are too afraid to actually look at where they are. They're too afraid to look around and be like, this is my situation right now. And so because they're so afraid to actually acknowledge what has become of them they don't take that first step and so can you speak to kind of like that moment where you looked in the mirror and for other people the importance of understanding where they are in their journey in order to understand you know what is the next step for them understanding and ownership is everything yeah because up to this point i i'm going to speak for myself i played the victim role It is your fault that I'm overweight. It is their fault that I smoke. It is their fault that I hate my life. It is their fault that I put a gun in my mouth. Mm. The reality is that understanding that you have to take ownership over your life is the most important catalyst in creating change. People are so afraid. I was so afraid to tap into the person that I could be because that other side was so far removed from where I was, Mm. not realizing that it was going to take a very long time to get to that place. So I think the first thing that you have to do is have that mirror moment. You literally have to go to this dark place within yourself and say, enough. Theoretically, hypothetically, excuse me, I killed myself. Even though I tried to actually kill kill myself, I hypothetically killed myself. I took the old Michael, that version, that person that sat in that mirror in front of me, and I dragged that motherfucker out behind the shed, and I shot it. And I I buried him super deep and covered him in concrete. And you know what? On the occasion, he pops up a little bit here and there, but I remember, like, you know what? I've done the things that I need to continue to do to be who I am now. And so all that comes with ownership. You have to acknowledge the fact that really bad shit happened to you. Mm-hmm. Really bad shit has happened to everyone. No one is free from the bad shit. It doesn't work that way. Even the people we look up to, even the celebrities, even the influencers, your next door neighbor, we will never know more than 1% of their story and why they are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And so it is important, it is our responsibility to remember that that's the same on the other side of the coin. No one knows anything about us. 
You can be with your partner for 20 years. They probably know 2% of who you are. There are 60,000 thoughts that pop through our head a day, right? And we can't possibly lay those out on the table. So if you can put yourself in a position to really gain an understanding intrinsically of who you are and then do the most important thing, which is own where you want to go, then you'll start to change. And going back to this idea of being a victim, because I know a lot of the time people will understand where they are and they'll get information, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm exhibiting these behaviors because of this childhood thing or because my parents were addicts or whatever. And then they lean into that victim story more. They're like, this is why this happened to me. And then they kind of sit in that as an excuse, you know, like I am sick because of this and this is who I am. And so how are you able to kind of distinct, like, make a difference between and make change out of okay this is the factors this is why i have these things happening in my life and not that let that be a victim story instead of becoming empowered with that information i live my life by very simple terminology no excuses just results mm. period period tell me one reason why you can't have the life that you want to have i'm going to call you on your bullshit You want to be a millionaire? Great. You want to have a happy family? Great. You want to be a great mom? Great. You want to be a triathlete? Great. You can do all of those things. I don't care what situation you're in. Chances are right now, if you're listening to this and you're somewhere in the developed world, you already leaps and bounds ahead of all the rest of the competition because you have more at your disposal. If you actually have the internet and you are listening to this right now, you are so far ahead of so many other people in the world. Mm -hmm. And to make excuses for who you can't be, it's ludicrous. I don't get it. Most people who have suffered trauma or abuse or in this place where they're trying to heal, it's easy to latch on to this idea that fault is not on you. But the reality is it's your fault. Now, now I'm going to preface this by saying fault means responsibility. Yeah. Right? And so fault goes both ways. It's your fault if your life's amazing and it's your fault if your life sucks. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is take your mindset and, and slowly develop this idea that you cannot allow yourself to make excuses for anything that happens in your life. And so for you, you now are in the trauma space. You're kind of the spokesperson for it. And can you speak to a little bit of kind of your approach to that? Like I know a lot of people have very different approaches to how they explain trauma and how they help people move through it. So what is your kind of way that you move through it? I know it's unique. Um, That has helped you and that you felt compelled to now share with other people. Um, it, It all sits in mindset. Yeah. All of it. Every single bit of the person that I am is all started in my mind. I have literally created the person sitting next to you right now mm-hmm. from scratch. And I've created this person to be the person that I want to be. I heard this really amazing podcast the other day. I can't remember who said this, so I'm so sorry that I can't quote you. They were speaking about a friend who had texted them and told them that the way they live their life is in consideration that their body is an avatar. And Mm. that they're playing a video game. And that as they step into this avatar every day, which is waking up, they just want to have as much fun as humanly possible. They want to enjoy their life as their avatar. But what happens is if you are dissociated, you have no cognizant idea of the whys. Why am I acting this way? Why does my body feel like this? Why do I do these things that I do? Mm-hmm. The very first thing that I do with the people that I work with is step right into mindset and start 
breaking old patterns and habits and creating new and healthy patterns and habits around the direction that they want to go. Because most trauma survivors have dissociated because it is a natural reaction based on survival. Mm -hmm. Dissociation is a survival mechanism. You dissociate from your mom yelling at you, from your dad beating you, from that car crash that killed your best friend. Like the reality is we remove ourselves from pain because it is the most natural human instinct. Survival is paramount over everything else. And so we put ourselves in this place where all of a sudden, and maybe you can relate to this, I've had these experiences in the past where I was like watching myself do things. Oh yeah. Completely, yeah. That's dissociation. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is we got to get you re-sociated. We have to get your brain and your body connected again. Mm-hmm. And so the primary way to do this in my experience has been through meditation, mm-hmm. through very simple awareness practices, not like, oh, my God, we're going to deep dive into Vipassana for 10 weeks before yeah. we can ever do anything. No, no. How can I take 30 seconds and just breathe? Yeah. How can I take five minutes and exist outside without my phone. See, one of the big problems is distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, we are distracted by our phone. We're distracted by things that don't really matter. Television, Netflix, listening to music even. I don't know anyone, honestly, outside of myself who doesn't listen to music at the gym, mm-hmm. right? Because it's such a distraction. We're distracting ourselves from pain. Yeah. That's still dissociation. So how do we get back into our bodies? Simple body scan meditations writing. I have all of my clients journal. I created a journal from mm-hmm. scratch with the purpose of helping people step into understanding who they are with specific questions. Yeah. Like I want people to be able to tell me who they are. One of the hardest questions that we'll ever ask ourselves is who am I? Mm-hmm. People always go, well, I'm a doctor. No, no, no. That's what you do for work. But who are you? And they'll go, mm-hmm. I'm a father. Well, no, that's just what is yeah. a byproduct of your relationship. Are, are you a loving, gentle, caring, kind human being? Mm-hmm. Or in my case, like six years ago, are you an asshole, a jerk, a liar, a thief, someone who's broken, right? And so identifying who you are, and, and, and that's not to say that like that nomenclature has to stick forever. I don't consider myself to be any of those things anymore. Because I have transformed through understanding. So I think the very first thing is like, just get your brain and your body heading in the same direction and Mm -hmm. identify small pieces of who you are. I think Mm -hmm. that's paramount before you can do anything else. We have to understand where we've come from to be able to go to where we want to be. Yeah, I think so many people don't want to look back and don't want to question where they are now. It's hard. It's painful. It's fucking hard. It sucks. No one wants to remember their mom overdosing. Yeah. Right? Nobody wants to remember their gym teacher telling them that they're a loser or their best friend in high school cheating on them with their, you know, cheating with their boyfriend or whatever. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to remember pain. Yeah. But it is a natural part of the human experience, mm-hmm. and yet we try to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. That's what holds us back and leads us to that dissociation. You know, we, if we're unable to exist in any negative emotion, then we're going to naturally be trying to cope the rest of our lives. And then we live in this limited range where we're never truly happy because we never let ourselves be truly sad. And yeah, and I, I think about, like, the, and I would love to do a study on this one day, where we look at the number of people who are dissociated versus how many of those people have an eating disorder. Yeah. And I, I bet the numbers are almost identical. Oh, I'm sure. Because I look at being obese two times. 
That takes a lot of work. Yeah. That is effort. Yeah. I would just mindlessly just be stuffing food in my face. Because I was just mindlessly existing. And I mm-hmm. think the biggest issue with that is I just didn't have a direction. I had no idea of where I was going. Yeah. When we can't have anything outside of ourselves, we have no purpose, we have no like real connection to the world, then we will find any distraction possible to try to mediate that. Because humans need to have a purpose. They need to feel connected. They need to feel attached to their life. And so if but food and alcohol and shopping are perfect distractions from actually getting real with where we are and who we are. And so with that, who are you? Like, what is that new definition of who you are? Yeah, for me, I'm a person that is relentless. Mm-hmm. I will not die knowing that I did not give 100%. Mm-hmm. For me, the only thing that I care about as I move forward in my life is honoring who I am. I'm a person that honors my, my wants, needs, and interests. I'm a person who's honest. I am a person that is happy with their life. Not saying that happiness is forever because it's fleeting like any emotion. I'm a person who loves myself. I am a person who wakes up in the morning, puts my feet on the ground, and is grateful that I even get to exist. I am a person that wants to do my best to impact the world in a positive way and leave it a better place than it used to be. At the, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done... I want a million people to come to my funeral. Mm. When, when I was at my worst, when my life was in pure chaos, if I would have died, maybe five people would have come to my funeral. Mm-hmm. If I were lucky, maybe five. And I want a million people to come to my funeral because I want to leave that kind of impact on the world. And I'm totally comfortable with admitting that that is a selfish thing because when I was young, all I wanted was attention and I never got it. And when I did get it, it was for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And so I want it for the right reasons. I want to be remembered as someone that helped people get out of the vortex and take their life back. I'm a person who's okay with that. I love that. And that comes back to that ownership. 100%. I own that. And I create that reality. Like people think about these grandiose things that feel far-fetched and untouchable, but it's not. Mm -hmm. If you want, like, like, like literally Elon Musk put a car in outer space. Mm -hmm. Like anything is possible, guys. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And if you had to weigh in on what makes you happy right now, what would that be in your the number one thing that makes me happy is living my life true to who I am. Mm. Not making excuses for anything. Like, like happiness to me is a byproduct of all the other things that you do in your life. Yeah. And sometimes you're lucky enough to be happy. Sometimes you're lucky enough, let me say for me, sometimes I'm lucky enough to wake up in the morning knowing that I've come from being a homeless kid that nobody liked to living the exact life that I want. Like, mm. that makes me happy. But it's all choice-based. So I choose to be happy. And people argue happiness isn't a choice. I say bullshit. Yeah. Happiness is a choice. You, I'm not saying like you're going to be happy if you hate your job. Like change your job. Mm-hmm. Happiness won't always be everything all day long. But in bits and pieces it can be. Yeah. I love that. So people want to find you, learn about you, understand you. Where can they do that? Yeah, so um, on Instagram at Michael Unbroken, um, I host my workshop and one-on-one mentorship, which helps trauma survivors get out of the vortex, uncover their past, and step into being who they are. Um, that information is at thinkunbroken.com. Amazing. And I'll put that below in the show notes so you guys can go check it out easily. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. 
Um, it's so powerful to have someone speak their truth and own it um, and really inspire others. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Michael. He truly is a testament for what is possible when you get real. You look at yourself in the mirror and demand that change. He's truly inspiration, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. If that is the case, I invite you to rate and review. That really helps me out to get in front of more audiences, so please, please do so. Additionally, if you want to learn more about my coaching, I am an intuitive eating coach. I help women stop food fear and guilt so that they can eat effortlessly. Then please check out my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com, or you can find me on Instagram, at victoriaevansofficial, where I post tons of content there. And finally, you can also find me on Facebook. I have an intuitive eating support group, so you can look that up and please join me there. It's a closed group and that is called Intuitive Eating Support Group for Badass Women. And until next week, you guys, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.